we're still trying to figure out what happened. When did you last hear from her? She left to bring her to school. Is everything okay? Has she gone missing before? Not in a long time. You're listening to the Ghouls Gang podcast, and today your host is me, Zoe. So hello and welcome. It is May, and this May we are going to be covering folklore here on the podcast. However, we are also looking at mental health awareness, which I think actually, if we look at the film we're looking at today, Taking Folklore and Mental Health Awareness, this film probably combines both of the elements. If you are listening to this on release day, then from the 9th to the 15th of May over on Ghouls Magazine, we are going to be doing a mental health awareness week that is called Held by Horror. So you can use the hashtag Held by Horror across social media sites to see what we're getting up to, but also to share your... I guess your experiences with mental health and horror films um it's a big part of horror for most of us at ghouls we used horror films as a as a way to connect with one another to combat that fear of of loneliness which is the theme for mental health awareness week this week so yeah we're going to be connecting with lots of people over the week talking about horror films talking about mental health so do be sure to join us um if you are listening to this today on Sunday um, because yeah we'd really love you to get involved with our mental health awareness campaign over at Ghouls Magazine Um, but today I am going to be joined by none other than Ugraine Hackett Cantabrana who is a Ghouls contributor and also host of the What a Scream podcast and we are going to be talking about a 2022 release which is You Are Not My Mother steeped in Irish folklore and history but also looking at mental illness um, and how that can impact family and mother-daughter relationships. Really powerful film, really looking forward to talking to Ugraine about it today. So let's get into our discussion. I heard about your mom. Is she all right? Hey. Doesn't feel right. I think we should go away. Two of us. I think you should take it easy at the moment. Mom, where did you go? I can't tell you. <gasps> Not yet. Hello, Ukraine. Thank you for coming on today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Zoe? I'm doing well. Been a while since we last spoke, so I'm glad that we can finally get together and talk about horror again yes because what else is there to talk about really <laughs> nothing nothing at all so exactly. <laughs> today we are talking about um a film that came out quite recently um the last couple of months and that is you are not my mother i'm very very keen to hear your thoughts on this film and to be honest i wasn't surprised when you said oh let's talk about you and not my mother because it actually made me think of you because I know that you like kind of films in this wheelhouse so I'm going to ask you can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of what the film is about of course so you are not my mother is um an Irish folk horror film written and directed by Kate Dolan um it features Hazel Dupe as a young teenager, Char, who lives with her grandmother and her mother, who apparently suffers from bipolar and depression. Um, It opens with a small baby crying in the middle of a road, and the grandmother then takes it away and sets it up in a a circle in the woods and seemingly lights it on fire. So it opens quite dramatically. And then fast forward to teenage Char and she's suffering at school. She's being bullied quite a lot. And plus her mother is really depressed. And one day her mother goes missing. And when the mother comes back, she's not quite herself. And even the grandmother is like, that is not your mother. She notices some really strange things going on. Um, 
And even though a lot of it is built up to her bipolar and her depression, um, it's introduced to us that there is the legend of the changeling and that the fairies have taken the mother and have swapped her because they want to try and get Char back. And it's uh, thank you for that synopsis. That was fantastic. It's um, it's an interesting film, and I think a really interesting synopsis, especially when it goes into its folklore background, which we're we're going to touch on in a little bit. Um, and full disclosure, we are going to go into spoilers. So if you haven't watched the film and you're listening to this, probably go and give it a watch first. What were your initial impressions and thoughts on the film? Um, So I saw this when at its Irish premiere in Dublin Film Festival, and it was a packed cinema. Like, it was one of the first movies to sell out at the festival. And so there was a lot riding on it. Like, there was a lot of kind of, um, like, built-up expectations. And it blew me away. Like, I hadn't really read too much about it, because I do like going into films kind of blind sometimes um but it just blew me away the setting of inner city dublin how it portrays actual irish people and their beliefs um and as well the the horror aspect is actually scary and it's tense and i just thought it's amazing you know i've seen a lot of irish horror and a lot of irish folk horror and a lot of the time it follows the very same stereotypical tropes like you know mostly british urban couples move to rural countryside ireland yeah and they're stared at a lot by the shifty-eyed locals yeah. um which is quite problematic especially mm. when you think about england's relationship with ireland and yeah. its historical cultural context so having a folk horror that is set in ireland with actual irish people and irish characters it just it just i fell in love straight away yeah, I mean, I think for me that was one of the things that stood out as well as, you know, the same as you, I've seen a lot of films where it's always, you know, kind of an English family moving, like you said, rural, kind of, oh, you're not from around here type thing. And I think a lot of those films set quite bad precedent. It's kind of like, oh, you go to Ireland and it's all, you know, folklore and creepy people and weird religion and all of this, yeah. which I think, you know, is it's it's not particularly, you know, a very nice way to approach it. Whereas this, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not Irish. I know fuck all about folklore, which is why you're <laughs> here and hopefully you're going to take us through that in a bit more detail. But it felt like it was a, you know, more of a genuine and authentic film told from the perspective of someone that's from Ireland and actually understands the background rather than mm-hmm. perhaps an English filmmaker that goes, oh, that'll be freaky to say in Ireland, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot, like, I'm going to take um, Wakewood as an example. Um, so we had, even though it did have an Irish actor in one of the main roles, but it was very much like uh, Timothy Spall played the head of, like, the cult that was happening. And it was just, it was borderline offensive sometimes. It was just like, that's not actually what we're like. Like, that's <laughs> that's not what rural Ireland is like at all, yeah. you know? Um, but whereas you are not my mother, like these are people from inner city Dublin. So they're completely urban. But Kate Dolan still managed to intertwine the traditional Irish culture mm. into that urban setting. And that's exactly like my most of my family are from Dublin. And that's yes. exactly what they're like. And it was just so refreshing to see. Yeah, I think it's I think that's a really nice aspect of it. And it's so nice to hear, you know that it obviously came from the right kind of perspective and it was approached in the right way. It feels, I think it makes the film feel, in a way, very real. I don't know about you, but when I was watching it, and you you said a minute ago, there are so many terrifying scenes, but I genuinely felt like I was watching, you know, like almost like a documentary on something Mm. that genuinely happened. I was like, holy fuck, this is terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing i liked about it was its inclusion of mental health and mm. especially when that comes to parenthood um it wasn't disrespectful it wasn't exploitative it was handled in like you said a very real way from the perspective of children and you know coming from someone who grew up in a house where my mother suffered from really bad mental health and also suffering from mental health issues myself so i can kind of as a parent i can see it from both ways and i really liked 
that it had that as well and that it was respectful. Yeah, it's a very respectful film. And I think, you know, another element that I really liked is it does focus mainly on the female characters. Um, and like you said, you know, mental health, I think we've all seen many, many horror films that have approached, especially female mental health and, and being a mother, um, struggling with a lot of these kinds of issues approached in a way that feels very problematic and a little bit disrespectful um especially when it comes to females it's like oh you know they're they're kind of the crazy ones they're you know they've got problems um so you touched on there a little bit kind of about like the mental illness aspect of of this film and obviously within it we see uh that Shah is I guess kind of dealing with what is the aftermath of her her mum having you know bipolar depression um and going through I guess a long period of a very bad time um and then we see this kind of switch in her do you think the film is solely based on bipolar? Do you think it's kind of approaching mental health in a more generic way? Obviously, it ties into the folklore as well. Do you think it can be read in many different ways when it comes to the mental illness element of it? Oh, God, yeah. Like, there's so many different instances. Like, there's a scene in which Suzanne, who is become Shah's friend during the progress of the film, she's chatting about when her mother died, and it's not brought up explicitly, but mm. it's hinted at that she had depression and that she committed suicide because of it. Um, and then we also, she chats about her dad as well, and that he goes through a lot of days where he's up and then he's, then he's very, very down. And she talks about his grief and depression. Um, so there's a lot of, it's not just like, okay, this is only about bipolar. It's about depression it could be about postnatal depression, especially because Suzanne says it happened when she was very, very young. So it yeah. definitely had the warning signs of postnatal depression. And then grief as well, and the depression that comes with loss. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those great films like um, The Babadook, where you can yeah. kind of take it from where you're coming from, whether you are experiencing loss or depression, or whether you're experiencing depression and mental health issues from another family standpoint of view. Um, and I really like the way that you could relate to it no matter what situation you've ever been in. Yeah, it's, it's so relatable and it's so sensitive around those topics as well. Because, um, you know, you mentioned there about Suzanne when she talks about losing her mum. For me, you know, that really kind of like resonated with me. And I liked the way that they also presented it from the perspective of the the girls you know mm. of the the two young girls because it's they're really difficult subjects to deal with mm. when when you're that young seeing your parents go through mental um illness mental health is very very difficult you know i think back to my childhood and, and both of my parents suffered with depression mm. uh, and then later in my teenage years you know i lost my mum and it is something you know the way that suzanne and shah connect over that but they never kind of it doesn't feel like they go ott with talking about yeah. it and i think in so many horror films they kind of run with it don't they and they're like well mm. let's make it like this huge over-the-top thing where actually you know often things like bipolar or postnatal depression or losing a lost one they're almost things that are quite subtle in the lives of you know yeah. all of us aren't they yeah definitely um yeah it, it doesn't make the girl's personality all about what they've been through um, I mean, obviously, we see a bit in the fact that Suzanne starts off as a bully um, and then kind of has this change once she realises what Shara is going through. Um, and Shara, even though she's going through horrific things at home, she's really good at school. She's really kind of uh, blossoming in her academia. And so it doesn't it doesn't make it a stereotype. It doesn't make it like a, a cartoonish depiction of what these children are going through yeah it's really interesting actually that you pick up on the point that she's you know performing well at school because I, I think like so many times films make out I guess they kind of like victimize the person that is maybe you know dealing with someone that's got like bipolar at home or something like that whereas in a way Shah's she's a pretty strong 
character in this. I mean, she must be, what, maybe like 14, 15 or something. She's really strong throughout the whole of this. Um, And, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's so many strong female characters in this film. Mm. Yeah. And I I love the way that there are these strong female characters, but you can see their vulnerability at the same time. Yeah. Um, Like you said, Shara is very strong, but you you also know that when she walks in that door and she closes her bedroom door behind us, there's such, there's such a strong vulnerability to her. And and that makes it relatable as well, because we all know what happens when, you know, you have to put on a face when you're outside and then you come home to your safe space and you close the door. Um, and there's also that in the grandmother as well, I think. Mm. I think that's another point where she is coping with things as best as she knows how, but you can see that she cares so much for her daughter and what she's going through that she's going to extreme lengths to try and save her in air quotes. Yeah, see, the grandmother for me was a really intri- like really intriguing character because for a large part of the film, I was like, it's the grandmother, she's evil, there's something <laughs> wrong with her because it's, you know, the film kind of starts and like you said, it opens with the baby crying and I think um, until we kind of get probably, you know, halfway through, I think there's a lot of who's evil, is someone evil, what's really going on, like, it's quite mysterious, and yeah, I was convinced, I was like, the grandmother is a witch, she's hexed this family, you know, she obviously made this sacrifice to a demon to get what she wanted in life, Um, but like you said, then you begin to see her, and although she's quite, I'd say she's quite stern, and hard mm. in her approach but like you said underneath all of that there's clearly a lot of love and care and pretty much everything she does with um the mother is out of care it's not actually out of you know being evil or anything like that yeah yeah that's really interesting that you actually bring up that you viewed her more as like a witch and you know mm. obviously doing something wrong that in irish history um despite our very religious leanings um there actually wasn't any witch hunts or um any there was one person who was tried as a witch yeah but there it wasn't a big thing they were kind of let go and it's because ireland had a very strong connection to their healing folk and their medicine women right Um, and that it's it's still the same you still hear a lot of uh there's something called the son of a seventh son which apparently has if you're the son of a seventh son seventh son of a seventh son it's pretty hard (laughs) to say um you have healing powers and you know there are just there are so many herbal remedies that are passed down from uh through like a matriarchal line yeah um that are still alive today so it's kind of funny that like from perhaps a british or an american's perspective the, the the grandmother would be seen as perhaps a witch perhaps you know having done something um, but from an Irish perspective, from my perspective, I was like, no, she's a healing woman. She's a medicine woman. Yeah, that's fascinating. Because, yeah, because immediately, you know, obviously she makes like all of those, what, you know, what we go on to learn, I guess, from my perspective is like, you know, those little protection balls mm. made of like herbs and sticks. And yeah, to me, I was like, oh, no, that's that's like evil. That's like witchcraft. Mm. And I guess, yeah, I guess in, you know, kind of English um world we are brought up that you know if you start doing magic or medicine and those kinds of things it's not it's not associated with healing it's associated Mm. with with um you know evil connotations so it's really interesting to kind of see the different sides on that yeah it is and um in terms of you know kind of like how the film progresses so when you obviously said, you know, you first thought that the grandma, you immediately knew that she was the healer. In terms of how the film plays out with the folklore elements to it, we, of course, see um, Shah's mum gradually uh, become taken, I guess, by what is either bipolar, but eventually we learn it's more of those folklore aspects. How do you, because for me, that was one of the most terrifying portrayals um especially seeing her kind of like overcome and the way she put her body through different things what were your thoughts on on how she was you know showing the different sides to her and that kind of in the daytime she seems fine and then she starts to become more and more demonic i guess yeah i thought 
from um, a folklore aspect, I'm going to take it from two aspects here. From a folklore one, it was very interesting because obviously, historically, culturally, it was at night when people believed that the ghoulies and the the fairies would come out and that was when they were at their strongest. Um, so that was interesting that they had that kind of dichotomy between the daylight mother and the, the, the nighttime mother. Mm. From more of a psychological analysis way um again i'm going to refer to the babadook because we see it in the babadook as well it's night time when everything goes to shit um (laughs) and it's 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 put it quite eloquently and it's the same in you are not my mother because in reality during the day and i'm saying this from a mother's perspective who has gone through mental health problems yeah during the day you are expected to put on a face you yeah. are expected to you know do the motherly duties to you know drop your kid off at school and chat to your family members and put the dinner on the table and you know you have to have this face whereas it's nighttime when you think everyone's gone to sleep that's when you can be somewhat yourself and that's when a lot of the dark emotions do come out so that's what i kind of took from that um, from that aspect of the film. Yeah, I think you're completely right. Like, you know, it is that aspect of, you know, mental health where we do get up and we kind of go, right, you know, go, go about our day jobs. And like you said, especially being a mother, having a, a child, you can't just kind of go, do you know what? I'm going to succumb to, you know, my mental health today and I'm, I'm not going to get up a mother because, you know, yeah. that, that doesn't stop. And, you know, the same as being a father. So we do get up every day, don't we? And, mm. and kind of look in the mirror and go, right, I'm going to put that face on today. And I think, you know, what Dolan's done with this film it is a perfect representation of that. And I think yeah. I really liked some of the scenes where, you know, um, Shah is peeking into her mum's bedroom and having mm. a look at her and the way that um, when you see her, uh, in the bed the mum looks like normal but then you see her yeah. in the mirror and she's got the I don't know what yeah. it is distorted terrifying face and it's almost yeah. that aspect isn't it of of kind of representation that what we see in the mirror versus real life as you said mm. it's putting on that that face yeah absolutely and it, I, I love the way it was told through Shar's perspective mm. um so the way she kind of equated her mother's illness taking over her was her mother becoming unrecognizable and a monster um and that that is how children kind of see mental illness in their parents they do equate it to monsters that kind of go bang in the night and that thought of like peeking in on your mother and not seeing her smiley and happy and normal but seeing her just kind of unleash her innermost emotions, like that must be terrifying for a child. Yeah, it must be absolutely horrific. And like you said, you know, it it is only really likened to becoming a monster, transforming into something else because, you know, I think when we're overcome with mental health, we absolutely turn into someone that's not our true selves, you know. And it's it's such a, a difficult thing to go through. And I think, you know, we see um, Angela, the mum as well, that there's moments where I think, you know, we can see that she's kind of pained and stuck within this monster. You know, she can mm-hmm. understand that there's, there's still part of her in there but she is succumbing to this you know this thing that's over overtaking her and of course you know Shah is there doing her best and I think for me another another thing that kind of came through um and goes back to kind of that that loss of a parent is you know thinking about so I kind of resonated with it when when my mum had cancer it wasn't mental illness but you know she did become unrecognisable it was like looking at someone that was you know as the title suggests not your mother you kind of look at them and you go who is this person in my house they look the same some of the things they do is similar but essentially that's not the person I know anyway and I think like you said you can apply that to whether it's mental illness whether it's you know a disease like cancer and I think that's what makes you know some of this film so so powerful in its portrayal Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd also go to say what makes it so tense and scary. Yeah. Like, there's a point where um, it is perhaps the halfway mark where her mother, Angela, 
despite her brother having been put in hospital she puts on a record and she starts mm. dancing to it and she was like ma stop 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 and she starts doing this almost like ritual kind of tribal like dance like pounding the floor and she like hurts her foot doing it and it's just this kind of this switch yeah. from the mother that was dancing in the kitchen earlier and they were having fun to like this really scary thing and that terrifies her and like growing up with a mother who had undiagnosed mental illness it that's what it's like like one day or even like in the same day they can go from being like lovely loving mother who laughs and all of a sudden they just flip and it's yeah. like the monster has been unleashed and you're scared for your life and I, I just loved that. I loved that portrayal and that tension that was created because you knew it was coming. You knew she was obviously going to yeah. gonna flip. I just found it so tense. The the tension in this film is, uh, like, unbelievable. I mean, th- yeah. this film genuinely frightened me. Like, really, yeah. like you said, that scene, and it's, and it's so good because not, like, nothing nothing much really happens that is very mm. subtle throughout the film these kind of like small moments that make you feel very uncomfortable very mm. unsettled um and you know i guess they're all kind of moments that actually you could kind of say they're not supernatural they're not folklore yeah. to an extent they're almost they could be seen quite normally but again going back to the fact that it's from Shah's perspective they could be slightly warped and seeing that mm. as a as a young girl you might not fully understand what's happening I'm, I'm thinking of in particular um the bathroom scene you know where she puts her yeah. hand down her throat and starts yeah. pulling out things from her throat which you know, I guess in a way you kind of go, well, if someone puts their hand down their throat, yeah, that's absolutely fucked up. But yeah. I think <laughs> if you're seeing it from Shah's perspective, late at night, dark, you might not, you might almost warp that kind of view of yeah. exactly what's happening. And I think the whole way through the film, we see that, that it's very subtle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I want to touch a little bit on... Uh, the folklore now because obviously the folklore is a big element of this so i know that it talks about fairies and again i don't know much about folklore irish folklore the only thing i know about fairies is i used to love them uh and then my parents went i think they're meant to be evil and i was like ah and then i remember watching um some kind of show that said fairies were evil and i was devastated absolutely devastated because my room was covered in them so i want to know do you know more about the folklore and can you tell us anything more about it of course so um in the film they say it's a changeling um and the changeling comes from i mean it's all across the borders in european folklore but it is seen a lot in irish folklore um we have something called the ashi which is basically Mm. the fairies um and they are quite mischievous sometimes malignant <laughs> folk yeah. they're not glittery wings or anything like that <laughs> um and they kind of cover the broad range of stuff like uh if you want to say leprechauns and yeah. um the puka which is um a, a a fairy being that has the head of a giant black horse which is kind of funny because that shows up in you are not my mother they're in the car and she nearly gets crashes into a giant black horse yeah um which kind of looks out of place in an urban setting but not when you're from dublin there's horses everywhere even in the city it's kind of weird but yeah so that's (laughs) that's um that was kind of like a folkloric symbol that I picked up on was the puka, which yeah. serves as kind of a warning sign in the very beginning of the film. Right. Um, so there is the uh, the folk the the legend of the changeling, which is where the Aeshi, the fairies, would take a perfectly healthy human baby and swap it with a fairy baby. So the baby would go from a very happy kind of placid baby to very miserable always crying yeah um a lot of the time it was used as an explanation obviously back in the day before they had science especially maternity (laughs) science was used 
as a way to explain deformities, yes. uh, diseases, and also um, as simpler stuff like colic. So the baby wouldn't stop crying because of colic. So they'd say the, the fairies have taken them and it's now a changeling. Um, it's actually quite a sad origin of the legend because a lot of the time infanticide would happen because of it. Oh, um, so it, it's quite sad, but it's strange because another reason I like You Are Not My Mother because there still is the changeling kind of legend now. Like when you say your baby's be like behaving badly, you're like, it's a changeling. Um, although we're joking now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> a lot of the time it, it was kind of put down to like, uh, postnatal psychosis, postnatal depression, um, and then just childhood diseases as well. So it's actually quite a sad um, legend, I guess. Um, and then as well in You Are Not My Mother, it's set around Halloween, yes. which is um, the origins of Halloween is in the Irish festival of Samhain. And that was where the veil was the thinnest. And so the ASG and the puka and all the fairies could come true to the the natural world and wreak havoc. Um, we see the kids building bonfires, which is a traditional thing here in Ireland to have at Halloween. And it dates back to our Celtic origins because people would build bonfires to kind of um, cleanse the, the area um, to try and protect it from the evil that could come through right. when the veil is at its thinnest. So there's so many like references to Irish folklore. And that's another yeah. thing why I love this film. There's so many references and it's like little Easter eggs. Um, another one was in the kitchen. There is a St. Bridges cross, which um, traditionally it's made from reeds. Yeah. Um, and it's used for protection. Um, it has been appropriated by Christianity because it's St. Bridges cross, whereas before it was like the goddess Bridget. Mm -hmm. Um but you still see them all over in everyone's houses, whether they're like devout Christian or pagan. Um, so that was a really interesting thing. So at the beginning of the film, we see it in the kitchen. And then towards the end of the film, we don't see it anymore. Ah, so like a very small, it's been removed. Yes, yes. I love that. I think that's so amazing that, you know, a film can have so much depth to it from all of these like little background pieces. And like you said, you know, the the thing in the kitchen, like the bonfires, all of those and the, and the bonfires, you know, fire, things like that. They play quite a large part of the story around bullying, you know, how the kids act towards Shah. Um, obviously, for, for someone like me, that's clearly very ignorant to all of these folklore do, do you think that perhaps You Are Not My Mother is a film that maybe is going to, like, if you understand Irish folklore, that you're going to get more out of it than perhaps someone like myself that's watching it and maybe it goes, you know, over my head? Or do you think it does not matter? Um, I think it is very much an Irish film for Irish people. Yeah. But I think it has international appeal because... Mm. Even if you don't know Irish folklore, you kind of know what a changeling is. Like, you, you yeah. kind of get the changeling uh, folklore, and it is explained in the film. So it's not like you're going into it and being like, well, like, what is this all about? And it also lends itself to discovering more about Irish folklore. So you look up the legend of the changeling to see how um, true to lore it is, and that will lead you on further into being like, why was it set at Halloween? What was with the bonfire? You know, so it, it's not um, an exclusive film for just Irish people or people that know about Irish folklore. So it's another thing as to why it appeals as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I was like, oh, I mean, I love folklore. I love a myth. Mm. You know, when I was younger, I always said to my parents, like, tell me all the scary things about, you know, I love to think that they're, they're real. So after watching You're Not My Mother, I was like, oh, I need to, I want to find out a bit more, which I think is, I think it's nice that a film can, you know, encourage audiences like myself that maybe don't know as much about yeah. a particular folklore and get you to kind of go and research. In a way, it's almost, you know, a little slice of history, isn't it? That kind exactly, of yeah. allows you to go, right, I'm going to go away 
as a bit of an ignorant audience member and immerse myself in you know mm. some some different kind of cultural background i think that's really really fantastic yeah. um and so the film then kind of progresses you know we've seen um angela get worse and worse you know the grandma's kind of tied her up she's trying to make sure that she's not gonna lose her shit which of course she does um yeah. Shar and suzanne have you know come together in this what is it, a really nice blom- blossoming friendship along mm. the way um what do you think about their friendship because i think for me this was one of my favorite elements of the film to be honest i really liked it it you know it, it started off as uh, a bullying relationship Suzanne yeah. was bullying Shar and quite horribly as well mm. um but then they kind of connect on this level because of their family history and their family backgrounds and it's nice to see that I know like typically in films where there's like childhood bullies the bullies get their comeuppance in the end and they're always the bad guy but that's not necessarily true in real yeah. life you know um children tend to bully because they've got stuff going on at home, because they are lacking in um, affection at home, or, you know, there's any number of reasons why children bullying. And so it was really nice to see a bullying character get a redemption arc, um, especially a young child, because that does happen in real life. You know, you could be a bully and then grow up. Um, And I really liked the way Suzanne just had faith in Shar, you know, Shar yeah. was like, "This is happening," and she was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm down for it. You know, I'll do whatever you you need me to do, basically." And she kind of became her main support, and I love that. You know, I love a bit of female solidarity. Yeah, I think um, I completely agree with you. I think Suzanne's character arc is really nice, and I think yeah. you know, I think we're so quick to, like you said, judge bullies as oh, well, they're just arseholes, like, you know, we yeah. want them to die off in a horror film. And typically, they would. They and, yeah. you know, you've got to consider, um, Suzanne's just a child, like you said, you know, and she's actually going through a lot of, of difficult things. And I loved that it almost seemed to happen after her dad said, oh, you want to watch out for Shah, don't, don't go near her. And yeah. that almost kind of seemed to ignite her passion to go, actually she's clearly she clearly needs a friend here yeah. like there's something there's something more going on with this um and yeah. like you said it was so nice to see her go do you know what i'm going to support her through everything and you know there's a scene where um Shah's trying to escape from her mum she says i need to leave home i can't be in the house suzanne has already helped her get away from the house and kind of gone right let's go and uh Shah asks suzanne you know do you believe me and she kind of turns around and goes well I'm not really sure but like you said I'll do anything to help you and I think that's such a you know in so many horror films we don't like friends don't believe each other mm. um I think I was you know Ariel said the other day that one of the tropes that she hates in horror films is that friends just don't trust each other yeah. whereas in this you know they've only been friends for not that long and yeah, Amelia, Suzanne's like, of, of course I'm going to help you. Whether whether or not your mum is, you know, a changeling or, or not yeah. is not really the point. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's like, I mean, like you said, there is that horror film trope where people are gaslit by those closest to them, whether it's, mm. you know, parents doing it to children or whether it's friends doing it to, or, you know, boyfriends and spouses doing it to their other halves. And it was just so nice, like you said, to see a friend not gaslight the other friend. Because I know, like, in my friendships, if someone came to me with a problem, I'd be like, look, I may not understand, but this is your experience. And in your experience, it is happening and it is real. And so I'm going to help you with that. Yeah, and I think... um... I think all of the characters in the film are kind of built out in in that way, that they're... Mm. I don't know, they're a lot more believable and they're a lot more understanding and um, they're a lot more supportive of one another. You know, even even the uncle in this film, mm. I, I mean, he's quite a, s- a small character in a way. I mean, he does obviously go, go through a fair bit of shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he was never portrayed as someone that was kind of like, d- didn't believe Shah. And he's also really supportive to his sister. You know, he, he can yeah. clearly see that she's struggling 
um, to deal with her mental illness, you know, that his mum is struggling, that Shah is struggling, and he's just there as, like, kind of a big brother, um, you know, an uncle, just to be there for everyone. And I really liked that portrayal, because I think, again, a lot of horror films, they don't, you know, they don't have, like, a strong male character that just mm. supports the female in the family. And it's almost a silent kind of pillar within the family. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is one scene that I was kind of like, ugh, like, <laughs> ugh. It's when he gives Char her ma's debit card and he's like, mm. you've got to keep this away from her. And I was just like, that's so much to put on young shoulders. Yeah. You know, like, she's now got to be the financial support to her mother um, because her mother can't be trusted with her own finances. And I was like, that's a horrible thing to put on the shoulders of a young child. But again, that is what happens in real life. Yeah. Yes, it's a really horrible thing and it perhaps wasn't the best thing for him to do. But when it comes to mothers, and especially single mothers, mm. that have illnesses, whether mental or physical, um, it is usually the children that have put under a lot of financial burdenship. Yeah. And even though that theme did make me go, if at the same time, it's very true to life. Yeah, very true. And it's almost that, you know, kind of age old saying like, um, you know, you become the head of the family, don't you? One of your parents, if if you're the, the child and you're left without a parent or both parents for whatever reason, it's almost like you have to step up and take that responsibility. And I feel mm. like I, I agree with you, actually, that that credit card scene is a little bit, perhaps a little bit off piste compared to the rest of the film. Yeah. But I guess it's perhaps quite a, a good way of portraying that you know now suddenly this burden has been passed on to Shah and I think as well you know we see throughout the film she does I mean she's quite mature at the beginning I would say but I think you know she just grows in her maturity and her understanding of of what she needs to do to get back her mother because mm -hmm. I think kind of as as we're moving towards the end of the film she starts to take a lot more of a, a logical approach to what can I do to get my mother back? Which, mm -hmm. I don't know, if I was that young, I think I'd just go, oh, fuck it, I'm going to run away. Like, fuck this, this is terrifying. <laughs> but she does seem to approach everything with a maturity to her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's unfortunate that it does fall to her, but at the same time, it, it kind of does have to be uh, put on her shoulders, unfortunately. Yeah, so... Coming in towards the end of the film, so I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't a lover of how the film started to progress. I personally felt it went a little bit OTT for me. I think I preferred the subtleties of the rest of the film, um, but I did like the fact that it had gradually built and built and built and we did get what is, you know, a, a great climax scene um, with some, you know, I mean, it's pretty, I found it pretty fucking devastating, um, yeah. that ending scene with the bonfire. What were your, what were your kind of thoughts on, on how that played out? I mean, I have heard a lot of criticism for it because mm. a lot of people were devastated that it did go the full on supernatural route, yeah. which I get. But again, a lot of supernatural horror you can look at it from a psychoanalytical point of view that before a lot of the mother's horrific transformation scenes or her kind of slipping the veil on what she actually was were happening at night this happened during the daytime yeah and it kind of represented what happens as a person with mental health issues or going through an illness or disease what happens when you try to suppress it for so long is that eventually that facade just shatters and it's all out there and you cannot control it. And the people that come off worse are those closest to you, like your children or your partners. Yeah. Um, relating it back to my experience with postnatal, I tried to suppress it for so long and then all of a sudden it was like, boom, and, you know, I was screaming and crying in front of my child and at my spouse and that's it felt like that wasn't me like yeah. it was like someone else had taken over my body um and so I really related with that ending because mm -hmm. I was like yeah that's exactly what it's like and you have to go through the fire to become cleansed you know what's that cleansed by fire or whatever that um saying is 
but you do have to walk through the worst of it to come out right in the other end because that is the point at which you go oh shit i've hit rock bottom and i have to do something about it whether it's going to the doctors whether it's going to counseling or just getting help in any way possible and so i really appreciated the representation of that film you know what, now now you kind of put it that way, I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot more because actually, you know, thinking about my own mental health, it wasn't until I got to like literally, like you said, like this big fiery kind mm. of explosion where, you know, ended up in hospital and I was like, oh shit, that was, like you said, you know, you suppress it, you suppress it, you suppress it. And then it is almost like a, it's like a an ember, isn't it, inside that mm. grows, grows into this bonfire. And I guess actually when you look at you are not my mother from that perspective that ending is is exactly right it has to almost become this over the top completely burning fire taking almost taking over the world destroying everyone and everything Mm. for you to come out the other side which Mm. coming to the very ending of the film and you know the return of of the mother I that bit I adored because I don't think we often see what is essentially a happy ending in many of these horror films yeah um and it was kind of you know I mean you could read it as quite ambiguous you know is she cured is Mm. is she still the changeling and I expected that like I expected a little wink to the camera you know (laughs) but and it didn't it just cuts and I was like you know what that's so hopeful yeah like there is hope for children to have relationships with their parents who have put them through the ring or have put them through the worst of the worst. And there's also hope for people who suffer from diseases and mental health that you can come home and you are still welcomed by those who love you most. And I just thought it's such a nice, hopeful ending to a terrifying film. It is. It's. Do you know what? It is quite a bleak film throughout. It's pretty... It gets you, you know where it hurts in your heart you're kind of the whole way through just going fuck this is this is you know really awful and I think you know you mentioned a few times the Babadook and I immediately thought the Babadook too a film where you kind of are Mm. you're so invested and you just feel like having a cry the whole way through and Yeah. yeah that ending to me like you said I was like it it reminds us that yes you know, you can you can get to the darkest places when it comes yeah. to mental health, but actually you can come back from that. Like, it's not the end. And like you said, yeah. you know, your family and friends, I mean, when I went through it, I was like, how do, how do you come back from this? They must all hate me. I've gone all, you know, downhill. But it, it's yeah. not like that. And I think, you, you know, you just use the word hopeful. That's exactly yeah. how it feels. And I feel like, yeah, I just adored that ending. Yeah, same. So that is You Are Not My Mother, um, an amazing film. You know, I think I've only seen people raving about it, to be honest, yeah. um, and, and for good reason. You mentioned The Babadook there. I want to know, Ukraine, is there any other, like, recommendations you'd pair on a, on a level with this kind of film? I would go with, if you're looking for traditional folklore in an urban setting... I'd go with his house. Mm. Um, again, it's a folk horror, um, but it's from another culture that isn't necessarily British or American, which we find a lot in um, in folk horror. And again, it deals with grief and loss and guilt. Um, so I definitely go with that, as well as Hereditary. Um, I think Hereditary yeah. is a good um, pairing with it, but more for you know, we say you're not my mother's super hopeful, hereditary is super nihilistic and <laughs> depressing, but it still shows the effect of intergenerational trauma and grief yeah. um, on children when it comes to your parents, whether it's, you know, Annie and her mother or Annie and her children. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a quadruple bill, I would go for Babadook, you're not my mother, uh, hereditary and his house. Oh, that that would be a day and a half. I don't know how I would feel at the end of all those films, but maybe leave You Are Not My Mother till last because that's probably got the yeah. the most hopeful ending out yeah. of all of them. Um, well, you're great. Before you go, I want to know, because I know you're very, very busy, um, this is going to air in May. So 
what would you like to plug i appreciate it. that is far away but is there anything <laughs> you can plug talk about and where can people find you um well of course i'm going to plug my own podcast which is what a scream um it's a horror movie podcast where of course i talk about horror films um, so I have a special guest every week and we chat about a random subject or topic and two horror films that have to do with it. It's a weekly podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter at what underscore scream um, and Instagram and Facebook, what a scream podcast. Um, and I also write for, of course, Ghouls magazine. I do quite a bit of writing and also for uh, our brother sites, moving pictures film club and then i've had things published on like fangoria and dread central as well so i'm kind of all over the place i'm a bit of a hussy when it comes to uh journalism (laughs) hustling everywhere we love it well thank you so much and speak to you soon ukraine thank you zoe how is your mum I hope you have enjoyed today's episode talking about You Are Not My Mother with Ugraine. Do check our show notes so that you can find uh, where to follow Ugraine across social media sites and also some of Ugraine's amazing writing across various outlets including Moving Film, Pix Club, Fangoria and more. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please do spread the word about the Ghouls Magazine podcast exclusive to members only. If there is something you would love to hear on the podcast covered, do let us know by dropping us an email, editor at ghoulsmagazine.com. Thanks for listening and keep it ghoulish.